Hello, friends, and welcome back to this week's episode of In Depth with Beth and Seth, your favorite podcast about the sermon at Plymouth Congregational Church in Minneapolis. We are the number one podcast when it comes to talking about the sermon at Plymouth Congregational Church in Minneapolis. So thank you for joining us. My name is Seth Patterson, and I'm the Minister for Spiritual Formation and Theater at Plymouth, and I am joined, as always, by my friend and colleague, Beth Hoffman Faith. Hello, Beth. Hello, Seth. It's good to be with you. It is great to be with you over Zoom. This week, Paula Northwood, our colleague, preached her, what is it, second to last sermon? Yes, second yes. to last. Her second to last sermon, not including Christmas Eve, but her second to last sermon at Plymouth before she retires. And we welcome our new lead minister in January. And this week she preached on a story from Luke chapter 17, verses 11 through 19, about Jesus healing people with leprosy. And this poignantly ends with Jesus saying to them, rise and go, your faith has made you well. So I listened to this twice because I listened to it on Thursday when it was being recorded and again Sunday morning. And I can say that when I listened to it on Thursday, I thought, yeah, it was good. When I listened to it on Sunday, I thought, that was really good. There was something that in a second hearing I found to be extra profound. How did how did it land to you? That's interesting, Seth. First, let me just say hello and that I am Beth Hoffman Faith and I am the Minister for Congregational Care and Worship at Plymouth Congregational Church. And I too felt that what Paula had to say was quite profound. And it was not what I expected. No. I <laughs> I was thinking that this is Thanksgiving Sunday. Uh, this is the Sunday before Thanksgiving in which we call it Thanksgiving Sunday. And I was expecting to hear a sermon about gratitude. And instead, Paula preached about healing. And both of those elements are held in this parable, actually not a parable, but the story of of Jesus' encounter with 10 presumably men, but we don't know that for sure, who uh, have leprosy, and they are seeking healing, and Jesus apparently heals them. And the 10 begin to go on their way, and one turns around, prostrates himself on the ground, and gives thanks to Jesus, and Jesus remarks on that. Only one of the 10? You know, what about the other nine? Are they not grateful too? And so given that, I really thought that Paula's focus would be on gratitude. So, and she certainly lifts that up a bit in her sermon, but the focus is on healing. And part of this is you you did uh, a meditation for us on on this story, did you not? Correct. Uh, I believe the meditation will air on Thanksgiving Day. So uh, I'm assuming you focused more on gratitude then. I did. I used that last piece of the scripture in terms of people or the one turning around and and thanking Jesus and Jesus sort of questioning why not everyone was thankful. And I have often wanted to interpret this story as the other nine just being so overwhelmed with joy at their healing and their ability to now be reconciled with their family from whom they had been ostracized for some time because of their ailment uh, that they just not necessarily forgot, but they were just so ready to continue their lives in this um, period of joy. Their focus was on what was new. and oh, what was new and what was yeah. next. And so I really appreciated Paula bringing me back to the healing piece of the story. And it seemed to resonate with you and it seemed to resonate with others who I've heard from that now is a time maybe to talk about healing. It feels to me as if this is 
I mean, part of it is our political conversation, our national political conversation about healing and uniting and and these things that were called for. So I, I do agree that it might just be in the air right now, but also there's something I wonder about our moment of a COVID isolation in which we are now facing ourselves in a way that we've never had to face ourselves and facing those we love and are in relationship with in different ways. And I wonder if the healing is resonating for us different than it would when there's a whole bunch of things to distract us and, and keep us occupied and busy. But now that many of us are taking more time alone and, and the governor's order saying we asking us not to to be around people very much or at all, that we're really thinking about healing and our own woundedness, sitting with ourselves in a new way. Yes, I think this is a time where many of us are feeling afflicted, and that term could be interpreted in all kinds of ways. Hmm. Watching, having ourselves or loving another through the COVID illness, many people not surviving, that again, this whole thought about having to isolate or be apart from lots of people feeling loss and grief in, in huge ways because they can't be together with family over Thanksgiving, possibly not Christmas too, and that separateness that just might encourage us to sort of wallow in our own pain uh, more than we would if we were just moving about our lives like we did pre-March uh, with every moment sort of taken up by something. We have more time to think about things now. The focus of the sermon was in many ways on what we do with our own woundedness. And so often we think about how to help others that are wounded. And I, what I appreciated about this, especially in the second hearing, was the conversation about the universality of being hurt. As I said to you before we started recording, sometimes I think that there's a general assumption that people who are in positions of healing or in positions of doing work to unify or justice work, that somehow they have it figured out and they've gone through life unscathed and they have this perspective. Whereas most people do that because they themselves are hurt and they're seeking healing by doing. Well, and Paula names that as being a wounded healer, which isn't original to Paula, uh, but it's a term that... Henry Nouwen, the theologian that Paula lifts up in her sermon, that's a phrase he had, had coined and actually wrote a book about, but it, it goes back farther than Nouwen into other sort of famous um, psychology professors and experts talk about this notion of wounded healer, that sometimes we're drawn to the care of another because of the own pain that we carry with us. And that might drive us in a way. And so Paula really asks us to consider, I think, in this sermon, what it means to be a wounded healer and what that looks like in service to the world. You have a particular reaction to this phrase of wounded healer, do you not? Well, I do. Don't mean to I, oat you on. <laughs> That's okay. Yeah, it's never been a phrase I've been very comfortable with. And again, in sort of our pre-podcast conversation, I tried tried to explain why. Therefore, I also appreciated Paula bringing it back into my understanding and maybe looking at it in a different way. I certainly validate that we are a wounded people, that things happen to us outside of our control or because of the consequence of our own actions that cause us deep pain and wounds and scars from which we spend a lot of our lives working to heal. 
I guess I've struggled with the term wounded healer because to me, it feels a little bit like identifying a victim in that. If I'm going to care for another out of the pain that I feel, then does the focus of that healing encounter become more on me and less on the other? That's been my resistance to sort of embracing that term. You hear it as sort of pejorative or diminishing in a way? Um, to put words in your mouth. I don't know if I see it as diminishing as much as I just, again, it's creating that sort of status of victim, not only for both the person receiving care and the one offering the care. And then the focus of the potential healing gets shifted for me. Again, as I shared with you before the podcast too, I know that my ministry has evolved from the deep pain that I have experienced in my life, the grief that I carry with me every day around the death of significant people in my life, um, other events in my life that have been extremely traumatic, that have made me much more sensitized to the sadness that others carry, uh, to the grief that people journey through. And so I am a wounded healer. I, I know that. And maybe I just have to become more comfortable with the phrase. Well, I don't know if you need to do anything. I, I think that the, I, I didn't hear it that way. And I, I really appreciated you saying how it hit you. Cause when I heard her talk about it and I've heard again, this phrase before was the way it hurt, hit me is the acknowledgement that all people carry their hurts and none of us come out of this unscathed, no matter what. And, and now not that all hurts are the same. You are especially good at your job. And I defer to you in many ways for certain things because you have experienced losses in a way that I have not yet. Doesn't mean I won't, but as of this point in my life, I have not carried the same losses. And you have, which makes you, your ability to sit with people, I think it adds a depth to it, which is why you're so good at what you do. But what I heard Paula naming that we all walk into the room, care, like dragging behind us the wagon full of our hurts. And nobody has an empty wagon. We're all carrying it. And what we do with it then is the question. But that's often the question that I ask is like, okay, yeah, you're hurt. Now what? Now I'm feeling sad. Now what do I do? Uh, so that's the way I heard it was more on the healing and the once you acknowledge your own woundedness and realize it informs you, what do you do with it? Yes. And the encouragement of being able to set down those burdens, which continue to hurt us or which we carry with us was extremely powerful. To me, it was that section of the sermon that had the deepest impact. Paula used this illustration of someone carrying around a dead cat. When right. I heard, and when I heard it, it was like, ew. But the way she framed it is, you know, the, the, the dead cat became symbolic of all of the pain and the hurt and the suffering we felt that we want other people to see too. Yeah. Like, you know, we want other people to pet the cat and feel my pain and feel the pain and, and acknowledge it. And so we wear it as kind of a badge of honor. When people don't, we feel slighted when people don't recognize it. So we feel like we have to draw attention to it again. And perhaps we get to the place where we just have to bury the cat. Which burying the cat doesn't mean that the loss is no longer there. We don't, you bury the cat and, and you're still sad and you still feel loss and the cat is still gone and your life is different because of it, but you don't need to carry it around with you. Right. Paula 
Paula says, true forgiveness and freedom is found when we no longer dig up the cat. We might go to visit the place where it's laid to rest, yeah. but we don't always have to dig it up. And she says, it seems to me that as individuals or as a church or as a country, we need to put some things to rest. person I knew in Chicago kept her mother's ashes for a long time. And it was just a thing she had and when she did something with it and, and placed them somewhere. And I asked why now? She said, because I was done making other people look at it and realized that the loss was there whether other people stared at the urn or not. Right. Yeah. But when we begin to let go of the burden and the pain of carrying around the loss, I think that's a significant step in our own healing and in the possibilities of being a healing presence to others. Because essentially, I think that's what Paula was beckoning us to consider, Yeah, is how, how are we a healing presence to another, even as we deal with our own pain? As we'd like to hear from you, what, what you're going to take away with this, and especially as we walk into Thanksgiving this week. And the thing that I struggle with with this, while I agree with it completely, is is I wonder where does the conversation land when there are dead cats we need to pet or need to acknowledge. So I'm thinking about Thanksgiving specifically and the hundreds of years of, of harm and hurt and generational trauma that has been inflicted upon the indigenous people of this country and continue to be so. How, how does this work when we won't collectively, societally acknowledge that their cat even died? Mm. I don't want them to have to carry it around, but but what if that's the only way that we will see it? And so I, that that's my own wrestling, as a, and I don't have an answer to it, and that's what I will take with me this week, is wondering what do we do when we refuse to acknowledge the wounds in other people? Well, that is, that's powerful and important, particularly to consider in this week. I'm thinking about what people are being forced to give up and let go this week. And that Thanksgiving is um, now having to be reframed because of COVID. And I think that people are really struggling with that and the restrictions at this time places. And you're right. It kind of, it, you said earlier, it moves us kind of into a more isolated place where then we begin to really ruminate on the pain and loss and sadness in our life. And so for me, Paula's sermon, just another encouragement to, to reframe, to really consider what things we need to put down. I'm in the process of moving through papers and correspondence and boxes of things left over from what once was a happy marriage that ended in a really sad way. And then my former husband died unexpectedly just months later. And those memories make me want to pick up the cat and... I'm working hard at being able to let go and finally dealing with boxes that I have not dealt with for three years as a way to um, finally be able to bury the cat. So I'm taking this personally, I guess, this sermon pretty personally. As I imagine many people are, there's nothing about the conversation about one's woundedness and the process of healing that is not personal. Truth, my friend, truth. Well, that is it for today. Thank you all for joining us again this week. And I want to leave you with the way that Paula left us on Sunday and her blessing, which I think is a really powerful thought as you move back into your life. Remember, we may be the only scripture that our neighbors read this week. May we be the good news, I guess. Amen. May we be the good news. Amen. 
Amen. Thank you to Paula Northwood for preaching a sermon worth talking about. Thank you to Mark Copenhaver for editing this into something listenable. And thank you to Laura Caviani for playing music that is more wise than anything we will ever say. Be well. Be well, friends. Happy Thanksgiving and a profound day of mourning. Goodbye.